We're carrying through this series called Just Wondering, right? And so we've been looking at some, some of these questions, and I've, I've started adding some questions because of some of your emails or conversations we've been having. So this week, we're talking about this issue of, do all roads lead to heaven? And so, I, you know what, I know we're dealing with some difficult subjects, and some, maybe some subjects, hopefully, that you're having some conversations about with people, whether that you work with, you go to school with, uh, that maybe, maybe you live in the same home. And so a lot of these questions come from you. And so we're going to look at this question, is that, you know what, do all roads lead to heaven? Now listen, a, a question I'm adding to, to, to this, this series is, is I'm going to talk to you because I've, I've used the word cult and I've talked about the cults and how they're different than us. And, and some of you, that's made you a little bit, un, uh, it's unsettled you. And so here's what we're going to do. In a few weeks, I'm going to talk to you because what I realize is there are some people that don't know how to identify a cult. And so one of the questions that we're going to deal with in the coming weeks is, is this issue of how to know if it's a cult, how to identify a cult. But tonight, we're going to look at this issue, do all roads lead to heaven? Now listen, when someone says that... Um, there's two things that you pretty much know. One, uh, for them to ask, do all roads lead to heaven? Then they have to have a belief in heaven. They have to have a belief that there is a heaven. Uh, for them to even ask that, for them to even think that. And, and, so, and usually they're looking for the answer. And so I, I, was, I grew up with a, with a false belief. And how many... Don't raise your hands, but uh, I was taught... That we'd hear, we'd, they'd point someone out in church or they'd, they'd make mention about someone. And they say, you know what? You've got to be careful. You can become so heavenly minded you are no earthly good. You ever hear that? Okay, yeah. If you were raised in my background, you've got to be careful. You can become so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. Can I just tell you that is a false belief? Because the more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good we become. You cannot become too heavenly minded. I cannot become too heavenly minded. Because when you and I understand heaven, and when you under, understand the promises await us there, then our everything changes. We're going to look at three questions this, this afternoon or this evening about this issue of do all roads lead to heaven. We're going to look at what is heaven like. We're going to look at then, then how does the promise of heaven affect my life today because it better, it should. And then how do I get there? So we're going to answer the, the, this question, do all roads lead to heaven, at the end. And you see, Apostle Paul did more than any other New Testament writer. In fact is, Apostle Paul understood this issue of heaven. In Philippians chapter 3, he says this, verse 14. He says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, Paul compared this life to a race, and Paul understood heaven, and Paul looked at heaven as the finish line. We all need a finish line, right? If you and I do not understand the finish line, if you and I do not have a finish line, then a couple of things are going to happen in life. One, you're going to lead or live a frantic life. If you don't have a finish line, if you don't understand the goal, you will live a very frantic life, trying to live life as fast and as hard as you can. Or, if you don't have a finish line, you're going to live a very frustrated life. Because the finish line may keep moving, or you don't know where it is. And so you may give up, you may stop, you may take a break, you may ask for directions. But you and I need to understand that for the believer, the goal, the finish line, is heaven. Not that we're working our way there. Not that it's about works, but we've got to understand that our finish line. If you have earthly goals, which there's nothing wrong with those, 
But if they become your ultimate goal, when you achieve those goals, it will leave you empty and feeling like there has to be more. So we need goals and we need finish lines. And so the first question is, is what will heaven, what will heaven be like? So, so let's just start out at, uh, answering the question, uh, where is heaven? Heaven's up. I know you're thinking, wow, that's deep, like my four-year-old t- could tell me that. But here's what Psalm says, Psalms 123, verse 1. says, to you I lift up my eyes, O Lord, uh, who are enthroned in the heavens. Now listen, whenever we see verbiage in the Old Testament and the New Testament about layers of heaven, so let's, let's get this, let's understand this, because the cults have taken this, and they believe in different levels of heaven, depending on how you live this life, or you procreate, or all of that other junk, that you go to different levels of heaven, and so they've taken this. So we need to remember Old Testament, New Testament was before the age of enlightenment. And so in the Old Testament, they would use verbiage for, like, the first heaven was the atmosphere. It was the birds, uh, the sky, rain. The second heaven, the second layer, would be uh, the galaxies, uh, space, uh, where, where the moon is, where the stars are, where the planets are. And then where God dwells, heaven was beyond the planets. That's why in 2 Corinthians, remember when Paul had the vision and he was lifted up to heaven and he talked in the third person? Because we don't know if it's an out-of-body experience. He was pretty confused about the whole deal himself. And he says, you know, I was lifted up, or a man was lifted up. And he talks about the third heaven. That is not levels of heaven. What he was saying is, I was lifted up to where God dwells. I was lifted up above the atmosphere. I was lifted up above space that I was lifted up to the place where God dwells. You see, when you look in Scripture, you find that, that the description of heaven indicates not something beyond Pluto, something beyond our comprehension, Amen. something much bigger than us, something that is far beyond our comprehension, far beyond our understanding, far beyond anything that we could ever understand or imagine. One of my favorite words that describe heaven in Old Testament and New Testament is, it's our home. The Bible says this in Revelations 21.3, and I pulled this out of the New Living Translation, and it says, uh, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look at the home of God is, is now among his people. And he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will, and God himself will be with them. The Bible does tell us, and just, but I know you know this, that the only people in heaven will be those that choose to be with him. That choose him on this earth, and he honors your choice in the next life. Because Romans 10, 9 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. Heaven is a material place. Heaven is a real place. We're going to look at the book of Luke when it describes heaven and hell. And you know what? I, and, and we're going to look at the issue of hell, and we're going to look at uh, those questions like that everybody will ask from time to time about would a loving God send someone to hell, and is hell real? And, and let, me, let me tell you this, just, just so we're, on, we're, we're tracking tonight. 
Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. Fact is, a third of Jesus' sermons were on hell. You probably wouldn't like it if Jesus was like the pastor here. Because once a month, you're getting a sermon, smoking or non-smoking, or, or turn or burn, or, or something about the issue of hell. So we've got to get this. We've got to understand this, that Jesus believed not only in heaven, yes, but he also believed in hell. And the reason that he preached on hell more than heaven is he was trying to keep people from going there. Listen, let me tell you something. I know I'm jumping ahead. Hell was never a place prepared for, or, or for humans. You understand that, right? It was not a prepared place. It was not a place that was ever prepared for men and women. And so the Bible tells us that heaven is a, is a, is a material place. It's filled with beauty. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is a fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now let, let me just tell you, let me give you six truths about heaven that should bring you joy. And this is just what the Bible says. This is what the Bible describes. The first one is this, is it is a place of holiness. The first thing about heaven is this, is it is a place of holiness. And I'm going to run through these real quickly. Uh, I... They're in their notes, right? Are they in your notes? Yeah. I don't know what's in your notes, but they're in your notes. Jude one twenty four. Now to him is who is, is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. This verse talks about the 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 uh, that, that, God, hey, that, that God brings you to that point. Jesus brings you to that point and presents you to, to, to God blameless. First uh, John 3, 2, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what will be, uh, and what will, will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And so the Bible teaches us, and I've talked about this when we went through 2 Corinthians, that, that, that we will be different. We will not be the, the same. We will, we will still be human p- beings. We will not be gods, and we do not turn into gods. But the Bible is, is very clear that, that we're going to recognize one another, uh, that, 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 uh, that, that we're going to be aware of everything that took place on earth. And Scripture teaches that it's a place of just, just holiness and no sin. The second thing is this, it will have a glorified body. It will have a glorified body. After the resurrection, we looked at that in 1 Thessalonians, right? We looked at that in 2 Corinthians. And so we know a lot of things from, from Jesus when Jesus had a glorified body, uh, that the Scripture says that the disciples recognized him in his glorified state, so they still recognized him. Uh, Jesus still ate with them. Uh, everyone wonders, uh, what will we eat in heaven? Do we get to eat in heaven? Does it have calories? And so, you know what I think we get in heaven? I think we get angel food cake. So there you go. He- <laughs> heaven is up, and we get angel food cake. no. It, anyway, I better stop. And so, so uh, we also know from, from Jesus that Jesus was able to walk through, uh, I mean, he walked through walls. I mean, he could appear, and it was like he could step into another d- dimension, which some theologians believe heaven may be another dimension, but the Scripture teaches that, man, we get a new body. And we get a glorified body. And we're going to recognize one another. We're going to know each other. We're going to have memories of, of this world. And 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that, that if the, the, the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, but eternal in, in the heavens. And Corinthians goes on in verse 4 and tells us that uh, 
to be away from the tent, away from the body, is to be home with the Lord. And tells us that, that once, we, once we leave this world, those of us who are believers step into the presence of God. Can you believe that? When I when I'd first become a pastor and and I went to the hospital for the very first time because someone had moments and they were a deep believer and walked with God for a long time and I was scared to death. I'd been to one funeral in my life and I'd never been a part of that whole process. I walked away so encouraged. Um, to watch the, the peace, uh, the confidence that came over her. I still remember Karen was there and uh, some of our pastors were there and uh, we joined hands and we, we uh, uh, before we did, her, her husband told her it was okay to go. And we sang her favorite hymn and we joined hands around the bed. And she looked more alive than ever right before she passed from this world and she entered heaven into the presence of God. There is not one bedside death of a deep believer that hasn't, I haven't walked away and just encouraged me in so many times because of medicine and because, you know, morphine or whatever, sometimes we rob families of that deathbed experience. And so the scripture says that we'll have a glorified body. The second thing is this, it'll be a place of immortality. Uh, Revelation 21, 4, he will wipe every tear uh, from their eyes and death shall be no more and neither shall there uh, be mourning and crying or pain anymore for the former things have and they're gone. They've passed away. 1 Corinthians fifteen, fifty-three: For the perishable body must put on the imperishable, and the mortal body must, watch this, put on immortality. Uh, aren't you glad that I waited to number three to list immortality? To where we understood it would be a place of no more pain, no more hurt. It would be a place of great celebration where our bodies no longer wear down, where we no longer have the struggles that we once had. And Scripture says that you put on immortality, and you see heaven isn't just forever. You know what? It's the place where we, we really live. It's the place where we truly live. And there's no boredom. There's no hurt. There's no pain. There's no difficulty. And we live forever into eternity. It's always fresh and it's always new. Here's another one. Scripture says that heaven is a place of satisfaction of all needs. That... I mean, satisfaction of all needs, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, it's relational. 
of the Scripture uh, says this, Revelation 6, 17, uh, 7, 16. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. See, this is communicating a little bit something different, different than when we look at this. We say, well, that's food and, and water. No. This is the picture that every one of your needs will be met. This isn't just physical nourishment. Every one of your emotional needs, physical needs, every one will be met. Here's one that surprises a lot of people and kind of catches them off guard, uh, sharing of Christ's glory. Scripture says this in, Revel- in Romans eight seventeen, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You and I share an inheritance of Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. For me, when I learned that, that was one of the most surprising joys of of heaven. For me, it would just be enough just to be in heaven with Jesus. And Scripture says he'll share his inheritance with us. That we share in his, his inheritance. Here's another one. Intimate fellowship with God and other believers. When, when you worship, yes, it's important who you worship, but it's also important who you worship with. There's an intimacy that develops, right? I mean, when, when Karen and I were on vacation and we worshiped at some other churches, it was just different. Why? Because it, we were strangers. We didn't know them. But there's a different intimacy when you worship with people that you, that you know, and in heaven there's going to be this deep intimacy. And Watch this. It's just fascinating to me. For now we will see in a, 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 I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know. Okay, so here we go. So then I shall know fully, even, if I, even as I have been fully known. You will be fully known and fully loved in heaven. Fact is, you and I are already fully known, and fully loved by God. And a lot of us have problems with that, right? A lot of us don't understand that. And a lot of us, a lot of us have some, some little bit of uncomfortableness with that or pushback with that, that you mean if God knows everything about me, he fully knows everything about me, the stuff that nobody else knows, the thoughts that people know, the things that, that I've never shared with anyone, he knows those things, and he not only fully knows me, but he fully loves me. Yes, you're fully known and you're fully loved by God. Heaven is a place you're going to understand that truth. Heaven is the place that you and I will finally get it. That yes, I was fully known and I am fully known. And I am fully loved. People that struggle in their Christian life, the re- one of the reasons that they struggle with that aspect that I am fully known and fully loved. That's when you know who you are in Christ. 
that I am fully known and I am fully loved and I'm, I'm totally and completely loved. I am totally and completely forgiven. Heaven is the place to where you understand that. Heaven is the place to where you, where you see that truth more clearly. Heaven is the place that you understand at a deep level what Christ has done for you. Remember that beer commercial? Um, you're probably not. That started off bad, didn't it? Uh, I'll, I'll talk faster. Remember that beer commercial years back with those, those old, smelly, middle-aged men sitting around a uh, campfire click, clicking beer bottles together saying, Boys, it just doesn't get any better than this. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. See, that's when heaven begins to affect you and heaven begins to affect your life when you understand, you know what? On your best day, it gets better than that. The second thing is this. The second question that we need to ask is not only what is heaven like, but the second thing is this. How can heaven affect my life or how should heaven affect my life today? Because I'm telling you, heaven needs to affect your life. There is no such thing being so heavenly good that, or so that you're no longer earthly minded. The more heavenly good you become, the more heavenly focused you become, the more that you do. Philip Yancey, a famous writer, writes these words. He says, a strange fact about modern American life. Although 91% of us believe in the afterlife, says George Gallup. That's the poll that he referenced. No one much talks about it. Christians believe that we will spend eternity in, in a splendid place called heaven. But isn't it a little bizarre that we ignore heaven as if it doesn't matter? He's right. Many of us don't even act as if heaven... I mean, we, we kind of have a segregated life to where it's this life and then heaven is something separate or heaven is something different. C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. It's because Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world and that they have become so ineffective in this one. I'll just give you a few things out of Scripture about how heaven can change your life now. The first one is this, motivation for evangelism. When you really believe in heaven and you truly believe in hell, your motivation to tell people the gospel, your motivation to witness completely changes. I mean, Jesus said to them in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. 1 John 5, 11, 12. And this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life and the, the life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have this, the Son of God does not have life. The ways that you and I break through that barrier, break through that awkwardness, break through that, that willingness to witness to your friends is this issue of heaven. 
and understanding what you are offering them, and you're offering them eternal life. You, you understand that, you know what, everybody has an eternal destiny. Everybody is going to spend somewhere eternally. Let me ask you a question that, uh, well, it happened to me many, many years back before I met Karen. Me and a buddy, we were running trot lines, and when you run trot lines, you, 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 you bait them at 10, and you go back at midnight, and then you go again at 2 in the morning, and you go again at 6 in the morning, and, and, and on and on and for catfish. And so we were out coming back from running trot lines. It was about 3 in the morning. And all of a sudden, we pulled up on a car. It's an old road in Texas, and, and this car was, had gone through the ditch, gone through a barbed wire fence, and crashed into a tree. And so when we, when we went by it and we saw it, it, it looked like to us someone was in it. Well, what would you do? Would you, would, you, would you say, you know what, we'll just pray that someone stops and tells them. We just pray that someone, you know what, we'll just hope they're, they're able to help themselves. You know, we pray that someone else would inconvenience themselves and stop and help. Or would you stop and help them? You'd stop and help them. What if you're coming in late one night and you pull into your driveway and your neighbor's house is on fire? And you know they're home. And you know they're asleep. And they're not out in the yard and fire trucks and sirens and all that. Nothing's happening. What would you do? Would you just pull into your driveway and go and say, you know what? We'll tell them at a more convenient time. We'll tell them when it's not so awkward. You know what? We'll pray that they kind of realize for themselves that their house is on fire and what's, what's awaiting them. You know what? We'll pray that maybe another neighbor will walk across the street and tell them. You know what? We'll pray and we hope that they figure it out on their own. Or would you be the one that dials 911 and goes in and tries to tell them? Would you worry that what if I go in and tell them that their house is on fire and they say, you're judging me, do not judge me. You're narrow-minded. What would you do? You would tell them, right, because of the reality of the flames, the reality of what's going on. Listen, let me tell you something. The reason many people do not witness and many people do not share the gospel is because they do not understand the reality of heaven and the reality of hell. And so they never move past that barrier because in their mind, I'm really not offering you anything because after all, everybody makes it. And scripture says, no. See, this issue of heaven and motivation, we're going to move fast because wise use of finances. The scripture tells us when we understand heaven, it changes the way we see our time, our talents, our resources, we understand the issues. And listen, we're going to, in the coming weeks, we're going to look at this issue of heaven and, and we're going to look at will I be judged and what about rewards in heaven and how does that whole deal work and what does heaven look like? And we're going to walk through this. And so we don't have time to cover that tonight. But, but wise use of finances, when people understand the reality of heaven, it changes how they use their money. It changes what they spend their money on. A scripture says in Matthew 6, 19, 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up treasures in heaven. How do you do that? Giving. Do you realize every time you give here at Fellowship of the Rockies, you are spreading the gospel? Do you realize every time you give, you are sending it ahead? It's all part of it. That's how you lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For listen, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And some people, you know, they push back. Well, wait a minute, I get uncomfortable when the church starts talking about money. Well, well, tell you what, Jesus is one that talked about money so much. And you know why? Because he knew wherever your dollar was, there is your heart. He understood that they're tied together. When you and I understand, it changes the way we give. Because we see it as an investment. And we send it ahead. How about this? What changes to serving the needy? In Matthew chapter 25, and I won't read the scriptures, but, but when we understand heaven and we understand what awaits us and all of that other stuff, it changes everything about this world. And we start serving the poor. And we, are, and we understand that it's a needed ministry. The, the, another one is this. How about this one, endurance and suffering? You weigh the, way, the way you and I go through suffering, you see, we're, we're contemporary Christians. You hear a lot of Christians talking now that it's like God owes me a pain-free life. And God doesn't owe me any struggles and all that other stuff. When you look at the New Testament, do you realize the way New Testament saints got through persecution and difficulty was the promise of heaven? When you understand what awaits you, it changes everything about your struggles, everything about your pain. Everything about your hurt, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, just for a reference. I don't know if the references are in your notes. I'll give them. Here's another one. E- they are. Thank you, Dwayne. Uh, easing of anxieties. When you understand the doctrine of heaven, that it is a real place. It is a place where we're going to spend eternity in. Then it helps you with your fear. It helps you with your anxieties. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. I mean, think about, let, let's just get practical for a second. Let's say that, that you had a dream your entire life of getting to go on vacation to a, a famous place, a great place. And you, were, you, you would get to go in July. Would you wait till July 1st to start planning for that vacation and start thinking about that vacation? You know what, if you're like us, the moment you know you get to go, you're thinking about it now. You're going to the library, you're getting stuff, you're getting stuff off the internet, you're, you're making your plans. Heaven's the same way. Listen, I'm telling you, the promise of heaven should just change your life. Here, here's, uh, here's the last question. Man, how do we get there? question is, do all roads lead to heaven? No. Remember, I told you, you never take a spiritual question and answer it with human logic. You know why? Because you become the authority and no longer his word. See, when you believe that, you know what, I'll take a spiritual question and I'll solve it with my logic, with human logic, then guess what? Man becomes your authority. You become your authority or someone else. His word is our authority. And so scripture says that, you know what, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We'll talk about this more in detail in the weeks to come. But when you look at all the religions in the world, you could put them into two groups. It's either one religion is something that you do gets you there. Or something that has been done for you and you accept him. See, the thing that separates Christianity out from every other religion in the world is that fact. Every other cult, religion in the world is based upon something that you do gets you there. 
I was flying on a plane one time, and a, an ayman, uh, a pastor of a Muslim uh, group, uh, was, was seated next to me, and so we, we had this long conversation, and so I, you know, I engaged him in the conversation and started asking him questions, and he asked me questions, and, and, and the, the conversation was just so interesting to me because I asked him, I says, let me ask you, do you have any assurance of salvation? He says, I don't even know what that is. What is that? I said, do you know? Do you know? What, what is salvation? How do, you go, how do you have eternal life? He goes, oh, it's all based upon something that, that we do. And he went through the list of jihad and traveling to Mecca and, and all the, the things. And I said, let's say you do all of those and you die. Do you get in? He goes, oh, it depends if Allah is in a good mood or a bad mood. <laughs> tell me, he said, tell me more about this grace. Tell me a more. And so, so it's either, because here's the deal, when you buy into that thought that, you know what, it's works-based, it's based upon what I do, where's the line? How do you know when you've done enough? How do you know who in this room you feel like your good works outweigh your bad works? None of us. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I've been there. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. You see, who's, who's ever making the, the ask for help means everything, right? Let's say your child is struggling in, in, in English, and I hear about it. And uh, I come to you, and I say, hey, listen, I, I understand that, that your child is, is struggling in English in school, and I would really like to help them. And you go, oh, wait a minute, Pastor Charlie. I mean, we love you. Uh, <laughs> but you're like, you're like from Texas. And, and uh, you know what? You're learning. Uh, you're learning here. And, and, you know, you've even talked about the, that it was, English was difficult for you in school. But, man, we remember the time when you used uh, hyperbole and you said hyperbole over and over and over in a service and we had to correct our kids. Uh, man, Pastor Charlie, we love you. you you're free you're free to talk to our kids about spiritual stuff, but stay away from them about English. <laughs> the one that is making the ask for help means everything, right? What if I came to you and says, hey, listen, um, I understand you're trying to learn to play golf. You may not have heard, but I'm a golfer. <laughs> and uh, we're renovating the house, and we're a little short this week. And uh, so how about this? Would you mind if, why don't you pay me? to give you lessons. You know, Pastor Charlie, we love you. But we've heard about your golf game. <laughs> you can talk to us about spiritual stuff, but don't talk to us about golf. We're struggling as it is. The person that is making the ask to give you help means everything. When Jesus Christ was resurrected, Jesus Christ knows where heaven is. He's been there. And Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one 
no one comes to the Father except through me. In fact, is in Matthew, Jesus says, I'm the gatekeeper. And I'm telling you, the reality of heaven and hell is real. It's all through Scripture. And Jesus believed in it. And Jesus taught on it. My question to you tonight is, have you come to that place where you've accepted him and asked him to come into your life? Last weekend, we had a lot of people make decisions. If that's you and you haven't let us know about it yet, boy, would you just indicate that on your Connect card? You can place it in the boxes on your way out. And we would love to have the time just to sit down and talk with you. Maybe you've made that decision and you need to follow him in believer's baptism first of next month. We're going to be baptizing a lot more folks, man. Just let us know about that. We would love to, to, to help you in that area. But tonight, maybe you just need to be reminded of the reality of heaven. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And let me ask you, what is, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? In other words, what is, how does God want you to respond to this message? Is there someone you need to witness to? Is there someone that you need to talk to? Is there a friend, a mom, a dad, an aunt, an uncle, an in-law, a cousin? Is there someone that you need to talk to? Because their eternal destiny is at stake. Would you just make a commitment to talk with them? Maybe tonight you need to make a decision. Maybe tonight you need to make a commitment to follow him in believer's baptism. I don't know what decision that you need to make, but I'm confident of this. You know what it is.